Hi everyone and uh, welcome to the Paramount Podcast. James Prescott here, your host. Really great to be with you all again today and um, I'm delighted to say that my friend Charles Porter is back with me today um, and we're going to be continuing this series, um, Questions We Don't Ask. Um, <clears throat> and today we're going to be, I haven't really got a title for today, um, but um, today we're talking about the question of what happens when you need to leave your community behind when you are growing in your faith in such a way that you have to find another community to be part of. Um, we need to find people who are where you are. And that's a struggle that I have uh, seen in a lot of close friends of mine. Um, and I'm meeting more and more people who are having this challenge and have had this challenge. And it's something that we need to talk about. So... Um, Charles um, himself has been through this journey, and um, so he's going to be talking about it with us today. So thank you, Charles. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me again, James. It's always a good time talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours and hours, you know. And, um, right. People, people see this, hear this recording, and then they don't hear like the half hour, 45 minutes after. Yes, so that's right, yeah. It continues about half hour before and then 45 minutes after, so. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, every time, um, including when we hung out in person, you know, which is about a year ago now, which yeah, is unbelievable. Yeah, most of the day, I think. Yeah, I think almost of the day, yeah. Um, yeah, not far off. Definitely not far off, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, okay, so let's talk about this question, of, you know, because this question is one that um, I think a lot of people are asking and that don't know how to answer, you know, and it causes a lot of pain for people. Um, I know someone who's very close to me who's wrestling with this right now, you know, and they're not sure what to do because they love their community and they love the people that they see, you know, in that community. And, you know, they can't tear themselves away and yet they know that there's some, there's some part of them that's already left, in a sense. So... Yeah, just tell us a bit about your experiences of this, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, um, so I've actually left um, two communities. Uh, well, technically three, I guess, but one community I was at for 10 years. The other community I was at for three years. Then I went to another place for a year and then came back to the one that I had left when I was there for three years and stayed another year and just recently had to leave again. And all for different reasons and all for different seasons of life and just different perspectives on, on kind of what happened and, um, you know, all, all different stages of faith too, and all different beliefs in faith. So I think of the first time I left was actually very, it was an abusive situation. And so I had been there for 10 years. I learned how to be a pastor there. I was studying to be a pastor at the time. And, um, you know, I'd done an internship there. I had almost all of my friends there. That's actually where I met my wife. And it was just this community that I had been a part of for pretty much half my life at that point. Mm. And um, at one one point in time, and it's not even that my beliefs changed or anything like that. It was just something happened in the social structure of it that changed, that um, became very... Uh, physically and emotionally abusive in, in a certain sense. Right. And when I say physically, it wasn't as in like somebody was like pummeling me or anything like that. It's not right. like, a, you know, nobody is beating the heck out of me, but yeah. um, 
but you know, when walking down the aisle and people would like shoulder check me and, and like, they had a real problem that would manifest in, um, those small, like microaggressive ways when people weren't looking. Mm. And, um, it was something that was kind of hush hush because it was something that was going on between me and one of the deacons and, um, one of the deacons wives and a guy that I was kind of training how to be a pastor and different things like that. So Mm. it all spiraled out of control. And, um, I had to make a decision for myself to have to, to leave. And I, Mm. I, it's, it's not even the, the leaving that's hard. It's, it's the, the funeral dressing getting to it. So I, I think when, when a lot of these situations in each situation, except for one, I did that process of like funeral dressing where I was preparing for the death. It's kind of like when, you know, someone's in the hospital and it's terminal mm. and they're not going to recover. So you're, you're waiting for that week or two weeks for it to finally come to a head. And by the time it arrives, you're not that emotional about it because you've been preparing for it for so long. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a natural process that a lot of people take. And it, it's something that's healthy today to take. It's, it's part of um, this whole like interpersonal communication uh, structure mm. that we have to take. And, and it's something that, you know, the church is a community of people. So those relationships play out that way. And if it's something that we typically do in other friendships and other relationships, we do that with our church relationships. And they're not, they don't always have to end bad. But um, unfortunately for me, they have, except for in the case of one, ended because, um, of, you know, dissatisfaction with those relationships or a, a, just a a key shift in how I saw the world that um, no longer aligned with the interests of the group that I was in that kind of force. So like I said, the first time it was more of, you know, it was being emotionally abusive, a lot of secrets behind the scenes. Um, the social structure of it was becoming very aggressive towards me and, and not just me, actually, my, my, my dad was uh, on the deacon board and it was becoming aggressive towards him and my whole family ended up leaving as a oh, result oh, because so it wouldn't it wouldn't come to uh, a head nobody wanted to address the elephant in the room where somebody was becoming abusive and it was one person and it's interesting because about 4 years after i had left it kind of came to this uh come to jesus moment as we can call it and somebody finally said, hey, this person has been destroying this church from behind the scenes without your knowledge. And I think it's time that you confront it because the pastor couldn't figure out why everybody was leaving. And so they finally confronted the problem and they asked her, hey, I've heard all these things. A five minute conversation and the whole church is back on track because that person screamed at him and left because they couldn't be investigated. So it's like in that case, Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting how all those years of um, yeah. accumulated and then a five minute conversation ended it. So that's a dynamic that kind of plays out there. But then I've also been in a case where I was, um, extremely hurt from another situation and I was deconstructing my faith. I was having a, a, a nice shift in the way I believed and, and how I felt that that should play out. Yep. And I had this, this church family that just pastored, um, my wife and I for a whole entire year. Actually, I think we started going, um, in November, a lot of things happened in November. Now that I think about it, and then yeah. we stopped going, and that was a really life-giving time for us, where people just 
pastored us and did everything. And the relationships kind of stayed where they stayed. And when we, we left, it was, it wasn't in ill terms. It was in a healing way and a satisfaction where all those relationships still exist and they still, um, they still have excellent outcomes because it's a church right here in my own community and the projects that I'm working on personally tend to fit into what they're doing too. So it's just a life-giving thing, but I, I left that community as well because I, I was no longer hurting in that way and it just wasn't the ministry for me anymore. So, you know, there's just a lot of different structures to, to the way that those things play out and, and it's, it's kind of healthy to identify the situation because sometimes staying too long can actually create the pain in you that, that you could avoid. And, and mm. I would say that, um, you know, a lot of this does focus on hurt because we tend to leave when we're hurt. But, um, you know, when you stay too long and you should go in a, in a good thing, then it can become that dissatisfaction where you go on bad terms because if you would have followed, you know, the movement of the spirit to go somewhere else for you or for your family or um, to not go at all, then you know, that, that kind of creates that anxiety and that resentment in you. And it's something that's very real for a lot of people. This It's a very real problem. It's a very real scenario where a lot of people want to leave and they just don't know how to leave well. So that that's why mm. it's worth um, taking a second look and constantly evaluating the relationships that we have and, and, you know, approaching it with, you know, an honest way. Yeah. It's about like having integrity you know, um, yeah. with yourself and with other other people, you know, with people that you're in community with, you know. Um, I mean, it's not quite, I mean, I say that, it's not quite as simple as that, though, sometimes when you're, when you're, you know, because there's so many factors at play, like, because you've got relationships that you, that mean a lot to you, you know, um, which you don't want to lose, you know. And yeah, especially like especially in the case of your second the second church you left, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people that you knew there that you loved, you know, that um and but you knew you had to go. And that's you know, it's it's really difficult because you need you need we you know, as human beings we're wired to have community, like physical community. And that's how we grow, you know. Um, and so if you've got that and then suddenly it's all wrenched away and it's not there anymore, um, that is a big, that's, well, it's a grief. It's like, it's, it's like a, it's like grief, you know, it's a, it's a grieving that has to happen, you know. Um, even if you're leaving for the right reasons and it's the right decision, you know, there's still a kind of grief there that, you know, that you're kind of, you know, moving away from something which has been part of your life for so long. It's like, you know, the end of a long relationship or the end of a marriage or, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, it's like somebody in the family dying. It's, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, I've got to just leave this behind. Um, yeah. And it, it can be the difference between like a, a nasty divorce or a beautiful relationship that just ran its course too. Cause you know, hmm. Yeah, we, we we do typically focus on, on when everything goes really bad. And I think that actually there's a climate out there in um, a lot of progressive Christian circles that that's the that's actually the default is what's what's wrong with the scenario and, and where the pain is rather than um, what's beautiful about the situation. And I think that mm. that you're right is, you know, 
sorry, my, my wife's going to listen to this, but I, I've loved women before my wife. I've had long relationships with women before, before my wife. And those relationships obviously didn't turn into a permanent thing, but they were beautiful for the time that they were in. There was a season for it. And those relationships that ended well were, I'm still friends there. That person is married and has kids now. And I so happy for their success and it's cordial. It's kind, it's Christ-like. Um, and those relationships that endured in that way, but we knew that that time had to come to an end because it wasn't going to be something that was, that was going to be fruitful in any, any more shape or form than it already was. And so it, it's that, that kind of thing. So we, we focus on this like horrible you know, broken piece of it. But then there's also the times mm. when, when you, you just leave because you love them and because you don't want to turn it into something that could be um, damaging to them. Yeah. And, yeah. That sounds exactly like my last relationship actually. Um, and, you know, we broke up for the, for the right reasons um, and it was the right thing. Um, and it was really painful and traumatic um, but you know, I saw them again recently and, you know, it was like, it was beautiful. You know, we were just, you know, they, they were somebody else now and happy and that's, and, and I was happy for them. And, you know, it was just a really nice conversation that we had. It was just like, yeah, it was almost like acknowledging what we had was great, you know? Um, and that was good. That was good for the time that it was. And, you know, and it ended well, you know, it ended healthily, you know, it ended in a good way where we still see each other and we still talk to each other and we still hang out, you know, it's, and it was just for its season and right. that's it, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, so it's being able to recognize when, when that season's coming to an end, I think is where people, a lot of people miss and when you hang on too long to the good things, they become bad things. And, and it's understanding that season for, especially in a change of faith, especially because yeah. you can spiritually abuse yourself by staying too long. You can be in a place where you can become so bitter because of the changes that have happened in, in you that you're hoping. And then that hope turns into almost demanding that the people around you change. Mm rather than just letting them be who they are and being who they are in Christ mm. and then moving on to be the person that you are now in Christ and, and going to a different community that, that kind yeah. of acknowledges that. And, and that, that's, that's a way that I think most Christians are spiritually abusive to themselves is that they, the expectation that others would change when they're changing, but that's, the expectation is that we change and we go to where the change leads us. And when you hang on for too long, that, that, that becomes destructive and, it, you know, that that's, it's mm. not helpful. It's not good. And, and it hurts you for a long time. Not knowing when to leave is, is one of the most damaging things that anybody can do in their lives. Because when you hang on for too long, that's all you're going to do. That's all that, that's going to end up. That's the end road is you're mm. going to damage somebody, whether it's you, somebody else, a whole group of people, um, uh, a place of, of worship. You, I mean, a lot of people who um, split a church probably don't start with the intention of splitting a church. Yeah, but they don't. They, I'm pretty sure they don't. Yeah. 
Right, but it ends up that way, and you know, when you trail it back, it's usually with somebody who's dissatisfied. It would have been as simple as to uh, maybe taking it on the chin and, and going and, and yeah. going somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, if I was ever in that position, I would want to. I would want to just do it properly, you know. I want to go and you know sit, have coffee with the pastor. And just be honest, and just like say, so this is where I am. I have nothing. I have no problem with, with, with you or the church or or anything at all. I I love the church. I love this church. I love this community. Um, I just have outgrown it, and I need to. And I've found somewhere else to go, and I'm, and it's time for me to go. And um, I want to, yeah, and to thank them, and to thank them for, being, letting me be part of that community, and for all it's all they've done for me, and. And just leave with gratitude and love, you know, um, rather than bitterness and division, you know, because they may they may be in a different place to me, and I may, you know, um, you know, um, hypothetically speaking, you know, um, if I was leaving, that was, that that would be the case, you know, um, then you know I would just you know I would just kind of yeah just let them be in that place. Um, you know, if that if that was what was going to happen, um, but um, you know, I know other people who you know who are making trying to make that choice, you know, and talking to them about it, and it's been you know, and I know they're struggling, and um, because they're just wanting, <laughs> just really finding it hard to wrench themselves away um, and find yeah, another you, community. You know, you know, just recently, um, we're back in church now, but just recently, you know, Allie and I and my wife, we went we just left church altogether. We we didn't stop following Christ. We still had that conviction, but we just stopped coming to the church, to the assembly in, in the um, more traditional way for the entire summer, probably a good four months. We didn't know how long it was going to be. We didn't know um, if it was going to be permanent. We didn't know if it was going to be just a couple weeks and then right back on the saddle. But one of the things that we really learned in that was, um, people's perception and why questioning our own motives. So we left because we were just, just over churched. I think I, I racked it up in the amount of like, I think it was down to the second of how many seconds I would have spent on church and it spent at church in like a conservative estimate. And you, when you span that over 15 years and you're learning to be a pastor and you spend some of those years where you're at the church seven days a week. I think for three, three years, I was at the church at the church I was at for seven, all seven days out of the week. And that adds up to all this time that you're spending in a place. And I just needed space. I just needed to, to walk away from the space in general, not even the, because the people were bad, not even because the, the people were good and the people weren't even a factor. It was just, I, I, I can't function in this space anymore because I feel like I've, it's consumed me. And I just wanted to sleep in one Sunday and not have to get up and go somewhere. Or um, I didn't want to be obligated to a group on a Wednesday night because I just didn't feel like sitting in traffic for an hour coming home and then going and being around 10 to 15 people. And so the conscious life-giving effort for us was to gracefully step out and then just be, be us for a little bit. And that was one of the, the most wonderful times in, in my faith as well mm. as um, Allie and I's marriage 
because we really got to build on those relationships because they were uninformed from other people. We got to create our own dynamic again. Hmm. And, and it ultimately, it did lead us to go back to church because it was a, a, an agreement that we came to and it didn't feel like an obligation to anyone anymore. And I, I, I think that a lot of people are also afraid to leave in good or bad terms because they feel a sense of obligation to hmm. people. Mm. And, and church isn't an obligation to people. It's an obligation to Christ. And, and yeah, we gather together as communities, but I'm not obligated to be um, who somebody wants me to be. And I'm also not obligated to be in a space that somebody wants me to be in. And I'm not obligated to another person because they think I should, I should be present for something. And, and sometimes it's the art of saying no and saying, no, I, get, I have to take care of myself. Because even even if nobody else is the problem, but if I have an issue with myself and I go and be a part of a community, I can spoil the whole community without the outside influence. And sometimes the self-care work is done, um, I don't want to say in private, but it's done away from the group. It's it's done, uh, I mean, look at the sacrament mm. of confession. I know most evangelical churches don't, don't do it this way, but like more traditional churches where you go in front of the priest and you confess to another person in a more private setting. And then the uh, the forgiveness of sins is granted to you in that private setting, and then you go be another part, larger part of the group. And sometimes that needs to take place, and and that's a form of self care. Confession is that sacrament of self care, and sometimes that has to take place from aside from the larger the larger group, to where I needed to work on my own inner problems. I needed to work on my own uh, frustrations. I needed to work on my own. Um, my own angers and hurts that I never let go of from the past that I couldn't do in the context of a regular church. Mm. And that was the healthy thing to do. Um, the interesting thing about that is people were wondering where we were <laughs> and wrote an article about it and, uh, it did not go over well. And actually now those people, uh, don't like me, <laughs> uh, because it's interesting sometimes when there's a control structure in play, when you do decide to, to leave how the things that are nice on the surface um, really aren't the things that are nice behind the scenes. And I was just dumb enough to write about it and put it all over social media and get like 10,000 people to read it and comment on it and private message me and private phone call me and say that I was a waste of skin. But uh, it's just kind of, you know, no. it's it's interesting how leaving sometimes brings the truth of, of the matter to light in both positive and negative ways. So good relationships come to find out really weren't so good and bad relationships actually come to find out were just complicated. They weren't bad. They're were just complicated. And sometimes the, the art of leaving brings those things to light. It's an yeah. art form. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Oh, good. It sounds, yeah. Human relationships are very difficult, aren't they? I mean, we, yeah. Um, I, yeah, we always, it never fails. It shouldn't shock me anymore, but it still always shocks me when I hear the way that Christians often treat other Christians and other people, just generally. It's just, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand it. And it's, like, how, how can you keep on talking about how much we should love our neighbour and how much we should forgive and all that kind of thing and, and Jesus' forgiveness. Um, when you're not doing that yourself, you know, you're, you're not doing that. And it's like, there's no excuse for it, you know. And 
you know, if someone wants to leave and they want to do it with grace, then let them. Let them be on their journey. You know, it's not. It's not about like oh, you've got to come over to our side, or you're in, tr- or you're in trouble. That's kind of such a binary way of of seeing things, and it's so narrow and exclusive. You know, um, it can be controlling. Just, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the, being in the wrong community can just be controlling because that idea of like groupthink, you just, it's like penguins, how they start following each other. If you've ever seen those documentaries, and I know that's kind of a weird reference, but penguins, one will start walking and then another one will start walking behind it. Then next thing you know, you have 10 penguins walking in a circle and they don't know why they're doing what they're doing anymore, but they just keep adding their numbers and another penguin just joins the circle and they just keep walking until they get bored and they leave and they just kind of falls apart on them. And I think sometimes unintentional, sometimes, sometimes um, non-intentional community, it's just like the penguins following each other in the circle. Yeah. yeah. We can add to our numbers and everything like that, but, but what's the reason? Like, what are we really doing here? We're just following the leader and nobody knows who they're following and they're just kind of walking around and, yeah, it feels like we're accomplishing something and going somewhere, but really, did anybody benefit from it? Did anybody do anything? Yeah. Now you're just tired because you've walked around and done a whole lot of nothing. And and unfortunately, it seems like that plays out more in faith communities than it does in other structures. Because I've been a part of businesses that have closed down, yeah. and it didn't end that way. It, it did. There was no anxiety about leaving, even though one of them was. Um, Honestly, I, I would quit the job I had now. I have now to go back to that because it was just that that fun to work at this place. If if they were still open, of course, and and nobody was angry about it. No, the mm-hmm. community that that worked there, that kind of formed from working there, all talks to each other still, and it's a pleasant place. Even though the community that it, that kind of brought us together uh, and paid us to be together, which was always nice, just never it just fell apart. And, and, and nobody was upset and nobody was anything like that because the community existed within the people and not the structure. But sometimes when you leave that structure, like in faith, then people feel like, you know, you're doing something wrong. And I think sometimes we use that, that idea of like, okay, we're the body of Christ and without you, you know, then, then the body's incomplete. So you shouldn't incomplete the body because you left. And it's like, well, no, like I'm, I'm just moving from this church to another. I'm, I'm just, an organism inside the body being a part of the body. Mm. I, I'm just, I'm just something that's, that's part of it. I'm not, mm. this church is not the body. That church is not the body that those churches are part of the collective body of Christ. And wherever you go, you're a part of that body of Christ. Mm. Just professing Christ as being a part of the body of Christ, not attending a certain congregation. And I think that that's one of the things that, um, and I don't want to speak poorly of evangelicalism, but I think that evangelicalism has perpetuated that. Because yes. if you look at Catholicism, you can go to any Catholic church and you're fine. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't matter. No priest. Yeah, they might get upset in the short term, but they, they get over it because you're still doing what you do. They don't feel like yeah. threatened because you go to the church down the road. No, it's weird that because obviously the Catholic church has, is guilty of lots of things. Um you know, which which have been talked about a lot, but there are a lot of good things about the Catholic Church as well, you know, um, and one of those things that I always loved was that, you know, it was really about God. The priest was was not 
priests don't like they don't seem to be like about e it's not about ego it's not about them it's all about god you know and so if you're leaving their community you're not leaving because you're not you're not leaving them you're just moving somewhere else to do the same thing you know and that's okay you know because god is over all of these things it's about it's about god you know it's god's community ultimately the whole church you know it's not about this is my our community and you're leaving us like you know you're rejecting us it's it's not it's like they're just when you because when you whenever someone moves church community all they're doing is following where god is going like they're following where god is leading them you know um and they're still following god and for for a pastor who has somebody who is wanting to leave their concern should only be that that person is following where god is leading them and you know and not about the impact it has on their ego or whatever you know um because it's churches are not about you know the individual they're not you know the pastors are not god um you know, and, and you know, this. I don't know where I saw this. I don't know who told me this. I can't remember. But someone told me that narcissism syndrome is most common amongst Christian pastors. In fact, it's twice as it's twice as common among Christian pastors as any other profession. Maybe it's been you that told me that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I can't. I don't, I don't think so. But it's really uh, tickling my fancy there. That, that I, sounds I, I, accurate. I can't remember who told me, but it's it, apparently it's true, and um, I'd love to see the research for that. But it wouldn't surprise me if that is a fact, um, because when you're when you're in that role, the the whole focus is on you. It's like you're the preacher, you're the spiritual guide, you're the pastor. Everyone goes to you. Everyone loves you. Everyone, you know, um, no hardly any everyone hardly anyone ever questions you. You know, and. Most and most, a lot of pastors have egos, you know, and so it just plays to that. So it's not a surprise, really. Um, yeah, because you know what, some you know some pastors need to be told, you're not God. You don't tell me what God thinks. God doesn't, you know, God can speak to me without need. I don't need you for God to speak to me, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And you know, you're answerable to God as to, as much as I am. So, you know. Um, if not more, because it says you're a teacher, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, in fact, they are. Then that's actually that's actually in scripture, isn't it? Um, and and yet everybody flocks to try to be the pastor because there's power there, but it's like, <laughs> no thanks. There's a reason. Been there, been there, done that, and didn't like it. So yeah, it's a responsibility. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I wonder if that's yeah. that's a a common thread in because I know that. The pastor has been a factor in in how I left each each scenario, um, but what I'm noticing now that I'm in a more I don't want to call it liturgical because I mean evangelicals that is their liturgy it just looks different but we'll say a more traditional sense where the focus of the service is more on on the taking of the communion than it is on on the arriving to the conclusion of the sermon yeah that. Um, and usually, the, and the lectionary is at play, so people are preaching from um, predetermined scriptures to, to make sure that the whole of the scripture is being preached um, throughout the course of however long it takes you to get through the lectionary, however many weeks, compared to a pastor having to come up with a sermon every week. 
And I wonder if it's, if it's more prominent in the circles that are less um, Eucharistic focused. Mm. So in the, the taking of the Eucharist compared to the, um, the, the sermon being the centerpiece, because if I'm willing to bet, if we got into the research of that, that article, that it's, um, it's more of the, the people who have these, you know, we have to come up with a new message every week. We have to come up with a new series every week. We have to craft this sermon every week. And the focus is more on the sermon that I bet I'm willing to bet that the narcissism is probably heavily involved more on that end of the spectrum Mm. because, um, the whole idea of preparing a sermon, especially in a lot of Protestant circles, is that you hear from God, God gives you this message from on high, and then you preach this message, and that is the good news. That is, this is now gospel in, in your church, and that's how it's led, is that the man of God has now heard his sermon to deliver to the people of God, so that way there the people can be more like God. And so that idea of like... um I'm the man of God or I'm the woman of God, even I probably less so in women. I, I have more faith that women are less narcissistic than men. I'm willing to assume it's probably mostly men too, if we really want to subcategorize it, but oh, yeah, so probably, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's, yeah. it's probably that, that focus where people feel like they are the mouthpiece of God, that there's those control structures and things at play where that's the focus of the sermon. And that's where the narcissism is coming from rather than the person who is simply there to be a conduit of forgiveness and to serve you the Eucharist. That the, the focal point is the Eucharist. And I also think that that makes it in the concept of leaving communities and stuff like that. If you go to, to a sermon to you or, or to a, a faith community to, to, because the preacher is great, then eventually if that preacher leaves, then you lose your community because you went there for a person and not the community itself. Mm. And you went there for, um, for, for your personal gain rather than the gain of the whole body. So if, if the place I go now, the Eucharist is at the centerpiece. Everybody does the prayers. Everybody says everything together. And then at the end, end of the service, everybody, um, goes in, we take the Eucharist, we wait until it's all been distributed, we sing one last song, uh, we get the benediction, and we leave as, as we you know say goodbye to each other and, and have coffee hour and stuff like that. And, and that has been one of the more humble experiences because I feel like everybody's coming there for the Eucharist and not necessarily for the, the mm-hmm. intentional, the, the feeling of having to create friendships Mm. It's they just naturally create because everybody's there for a common goal rather than um, mm. usually one that comes out of a position of looking for something that helps me rather than um, trying to to form a community and be obedient to Christ. And I know from the places that I've been that have been non-Eucharistic focus that the personality of the pastor has tended to shift the congregation about the people who have been have left. So that article that I wrote, it was actually the pastor of that church who started to degrade me on on my social media and stuff like that in front of his congregants for all of them to read, and then never apologized, never did anything. They just expected me to show up after a couple a couple weeks of oh he just needs time, 
It's like, no, you insulted me, dude. I don't even consider you a person worth having community with. So it's like, you know, it, it, I think that those power structures are at play where the pastor has huge influence and mm. in, in, in how they pastor those people, how they, how they teach people to follow Christ is a massive thing. And I probably think, I think, I I don't know if I'm 100% commit to this, so I'm just going to say it. With, I think that I think that it's more along the lines of the liturgical, liturgical settings where it's not the main focus is not the pastor and his sermon, that I've, I, I feel like you might find less in terms of the laity abusing each other because of the pastor. Mm. So the laity does cause a lot of problems. However, I think in liturgical settings... Um, for more traditional settings, the laity is probably less uh, of the power structure that hurts. And, and because that right is l- relinquished because there's a priesthood who does everything and, and it's done through the lectionary and those things that it's, there's a sense of control that people don't feel like they have to control the situation, that the, the non-traditional settings, the more um, contemporary settings those abuse structures can probably come into play a lot faster because it's usually very personality driven and and in my experience that's the negative um, leavings of community have been like that that Mm. one person has essentially influenced um, somebody in leadership to a point that the gossip got around behind the scenes before it came into the thing because the focus was more about being in with each other rather than being in with christ yeah Interesting. Okay, I just want to do something practical here, right? because there are probably some people listening who are having this ch- challenge, who are faced with this, you know, decision that they have to make. Um, like, I mean, obviously, this is something you've been through a couple of times now. So, if you had any kind of advice, any kind of wisdom you'd want to pass on to people in that position with all the challenges and the difficulties that it brings, what, what would you say to them? My advice would be to go through the process of funeral dressing the situation. And the reason why I say that is when, when you properly start the process of grief, because it is a grief thing, because at some point you're either going to leave or stay either you're relinquishing something of yourself or you're relinquishing um, relationships with other people. When you leave, there's always somebody gives up something that it's healthy to go through as if something's going to end, that it's healthy to um, question your motives behind it. It's healthy to waver uh, if you feel like you have to leave and, um, and you aren't sure if that's the right thing for you and, and you kind of flip-flop a little and you go this week and don't go next week and you go for three weeks and you don't go for three weeks, that's healthy. Take all the time you need. It's, it's more important that you come out the other side whole than it is to please people's per- perceptions of you, that it's more healthy to... Um, to be who you are in Christ than it is to um, be who you think that people want you to be in Christ. Mm. Because who knows when you get to the end of it and, and you do have to separate yourself from a certain community to join another one. 
if you went through the process properly and you kind of anticipated it and you didn't just sever the relationship, then um, there's less questions to be had because slowly over time, that conversation just starts to happen with the people around you that you're really, you're really close with. And it should be discussed with them. If there's somebody in that community who you feel is safe, talk to them about it. Talk to them about the, the grief of potentially leaving. Talk to those people who you want to have those continued relationships and just maybe kind of bluntly ask them, like, if I was to leave our, our congregation, would you still be willing to have this relationship that we have together um, because it's important to me? And if it's important to you, I would really like to preserve that and preserve the relationships you want to keep. It's it's really all about the motivation behind it. Are you, are you taking the proper process of of coming to the certain conclusion and coming to to the point where you can actually leave and leave well you know the the thing is as i said earlier with Mm. the idea of of um, funeral dressing is it's typically something that happens over time and it's something that you come to you're you're coming to terms with the end game before it gets there so it's not blindsiding you it's it's not something that that just hurts because you've already come to terms with the way it's going to hurt. And you've already thought about the possible repercussions of this. It's just like if a family member passes and you've had a few weeks to be with them, you see those people, they tend to to mourn well at the funeral compared to the people who um, the family member was just ripped away from them. And, And it's, it's usually creates a hysterical environment because there was, there's a lot of questions that they will never get answers to. There's a lot of endings that have never happened. So my, my suggestion, and, and I'm taking advice for myself if I ever have to leave again because I've left well and I've left very poorly, is to take the time to properly do it to preserve the relationships that you want to. And ultimately, you might have those conversations with the people you trust. You might not, you might not leave. You might not have to leave. It might be something that that the community is willing to, to keep. I know um, I have a friend who came, who came out and they went to a, a church that was very um, conservative and, and didn't, mm. didn't know that they were in the closet. And when they came out, they didn't kick them out. They said, well, if this is who you are, then I might not understand it or might not agree with it, but we love you enough to, to have a space for you here. If that scenario can play out, then most other scenarios can play out. As long as there's no abuse, as long as there's no um, he said, she said kind of mm. kind of thing happening. But if you're really trying to do it well, just take take the time. Take the time. Because, you know, you might get to the end of it. You might be able to stay. If you end up having to leave, that's okay, too. And if you leave the church altogether, I mean, for a time, that could be okay for you, too. So there's a lot of people who, who have done it. And... Um, Mm. they preserve those relationships though i'll say if you do plan on leaving the church completely for a while to experiment with maybe um not being a part of that like my wife and i did make sure that you do have a few lifeline people in the faith so that it's easier to come back when you when you choose to do so so you know it's it's not it's not something that you should do alone because that's usually how you get hurt because if you don't have a community uh, even a small community to go fall back on than leaving the larger idea of a church that's a couple hundred people compared to just you and your friend group, you know, without that support, if there is emotional damage, 
you, you can be uh, in a very bad spot. And I'll, I'll give an example of this. When mm. I left that first church, when there was abuse going on, and I did ask for help, and people didn't help me, and I had to leave. Um, well, my brother was getting married that, that summer, and he was, getting a mari- he was getting married in about a month from the day that I officially left that church. Um, unfortunately, my father passed away that Monday before my, my brother got married, and he got married on a Saturday. So the following Saturday after my father passed away, it was uh, my brother's wedding. Um, a very, very hard time, a very um, dangerous time for um, some of us because it felt like, you know, I didn't feel like I had anyone. And I went to that wedding and those people there did not care about me or the fact that I was hurting that my father passed and I had no one to turn to. And that was one of the most depressing times in my life of not having a community because life happened um, because I, I hadn't intentionally fostered a second community, a, a place to, to go to first that was a safe place with just people rather than you know a certain church or a certain affiliation, that I didn't have those people in my life to, to fall back into when things got tough. And so I had to grieve that whole process alone. And it was really depressing. I took a week off from work and I I literally just slept and I didn't get up. I was depressed. Um, I almost lost my job over it because I didn't have any more time to take off and I was getting ready to take off some time. And um, I'll never forget that moment at my brother's wedding, feeling completely alone in this massive celebration because Mm. just a month prior I'd left a faith community and I didn't have any other people to help pick up the pieces because all of my people were in one basket. So my advice is if you are going to leave, try to foster some other relationships first that are safe and can welcome you into that space. Because if you go without those people, it's going to be a very, very, very difficult difficult season. And, and you have to prepare yourself for that. And that, that could also be part of your funeral dressing. But I really do think that that, that being open to the process of leaving is um, something that should be done with a lot of love and care. And you should really love yourself and care for yourself in the process and make sure you're loving and caring for the people that you're leaving too, because they're going to grieve your loss. Mm. It's really wise, really wise stuff, Charles. Really, that's really encouraging. Um, really. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from, from that. From that wisdom you've you've gained from that you know from your experiences, I think yeah, as I said, I've got so many friends who've either left the church painfully or who are thinking of leaving church, and I think you know hearing more stories from people who've been there, um hearing wisdom on how to deal with that if that if you're in that place of having to make that decision, I think that's such. Such a blessing, such um you know solidarity is so important um so thank you for sharing that. thank you for being so honest as well um yeah. really appreciate that yeah, anytime that's what we're here for, right being honest yeah, absolutely yeah um yeah, this has been a really great discussion, so um I hope everyone that you've learned something, I hope you've been encouraged, I hope that you feel supported, I hope that 
uh, you know you're not alone on this journey. There's lots of people who are on this journey. Um, so, um, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks, Charles, again, for, for coming on. And we'll definitely have you back again and um, have some more conversations, I think. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be a good time, James. Yeah. Great. Okay, well, take care, everyone. And um, we'll talk again soon.